James Altucher got bit by the crypto bug back in 2013, and he's enjoyed following the markets ever since. As a hedge fund manager, entrepreneur, author, venture capitalist, and podcaster, James's audience is always eager to hear what he thinks. And so am I. While in New York, I had the opportunity to visit with James in his Upper West Side condo to talk about many topics for the Joel Com Show. Did you know I got another podcast? Well, I do. And during that interview, we spent some time examining his current thoughts on Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. It was interesting enough that Travis and I felt it merited a special edition of this show. So we welcome you inside the mind of James Altucher. It's a special episode of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one, two, ignition. Who's bad? Welcome to the Bad Crypto Podcast, show for the crypto curious, the crypto serious, and those of you who don't mind half a show. Yeah, it's just part of the show today, folks. But the good parts. Yeah, the, the best parts. The best part. Now with less banter. Yeah, but still with our sponsors. For example, MobiPay. As you guys know by now, MobiPay.io is coming out with a really cool platform that supports cashback programs, fiat, and major crypto on-ramps, off-ramps, and you can get $10 in free MBX when you sign up for their beta. Go to MobiPay.io. Yeah, James was on Bad Crypto like two years ago, episode number 47. Yeah. That's a long, long, long time ago. Well, I remember when. Get off my lawn. Remember he had all these ads running on YouTube all over and on Instagram mm-hmm. and I'm like, what I learned about the crypto markets. And remember he said 95% of them are all scams? He did. He did. And so, you know, you and I were in New York last week for NFT.NYC. And previous to you arriving there, I got to go over to James's place and we did a a lengthy show where we talked about all kinds of things. I mean, we talked about politics and we talked about the president and we talked about crypto and we talked about coronavirus. We didn't talk about Corona beer, but we talked about a lot of things and his mind, the way he, he his mind works is just fascinating to me. And during this interview, uh, there was a segment where we talked crypto and I thought, you know what? You guys need to hear this segment and uh, so we're going to play that for you right now. James Altucher. Let's talk about Bitcoin for a moment, because I didn't realize this when Travis and I first interviewed you for the show. But once upon a time, at least if the wiki is true, you um, you poo pooed Bitcoin. Yeah. In um, I want to say March 2013. Somebody asked, I used to do these Twitter Q&As every Thursday. I did it for six years from 2010 to 2016, like clockwork. Every Thursday at 3.30, uh, I only skip Thanksgivings every year. And I just did it 51 weeks out of the year. And during one of these Q&As in 2013, early 2013, somebody asked me what I thought of Bitcoin. And I said, I think it's a scam, which I did think. One of my friends saw that, Naval Ravikant, who, who later became or is currently very active in the Bitcoin space. And he was visiting New York and we spent like three or four hours together or or more, maybe five hours together. And he just broke down everything for me from like a programmer's perspective and from an economic perspective, uh, like everything about Bitcoin. This was like in maybe like just a few weeks later. And I'm like, okay, I get it. And then just a month later, I built 
a store to sell. I was releasing on June 1st of my book, Choose Yourself, and I was self-publishing it on Amazon. So what I did was, as a marketing thing, I created my own store, uh, which accepted Bitcoin. And by the way, I reached out to a lot of people to help me. Nobody even knew how to do it. Like I reached out to Coinbase. They stopped returning my calls. And I even complained to their VC, like if Coinbase is going to be active in the Bitcoin space, shouldn't they encourage people to use Bitcoin for transactions? They were like useless for me. So anyway, I created this Bitcoin store that accepted Bitcoin. And I had one product in the store, which was my book. And so if you wanted my book a month earlier than my, the official release date, you had to pay it in Bitcoin. Bitcoin was $61 a Bitcoin at the time. You had to pay one-tenth of a Bitcoin. So I got a bunch of Bitcoins from this. And, uh, you know, and everybody had to leave their email address uh, to buy so I could mail them the PDF of the book. And it was almost all Amazon employees. Is that right? Yeah. That's funny. So you got Bitcoin really So, so yeah. So, I, so, I, so, yes, I thought it was a scam. But so what? Everybody, then I was convinced by, by and, and spoken to by someone who I really admire and who was incredibly smart and is incredibly smart. And I changed my mind. Yeah. So you mean you could do that in, yeah. in 2020? Like, like, oh, he thought this in 2013 and then he just changed his mind to make some money. No, I created a store and I very publicly announced that I was on CNBC talking about Bitcoin. And, you know, I was probably more active in the Bitcoin space than just about anybody. Nobody had, nobody had a bookstore in Bitcoin. That's really early. I mean, yeah. I think about it. And I remember and usually I'm early to the game. I like to pioneer and play with the cool toys when they come out. When I heard about Bitcoin, I didn't get it because I didn't understand this whole mining idea. I mean, what are there little people on my processor? Ding, 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 ding. Bitcoins are shooting out. And because I didn't understand that, what that meant, I just kind of like, eh, it wasn't until 2017 that I finally went, oh, that's brilliant. Why didn't I get that before? Well, I think if you start with, if you start with the problems of money, you, you very quickly start to think of, what the solutions could be. And then it turns out Bitcoin and its spinoffs solve a lot of the problems of money. Just like paper money solved a lot of the problems of metal money. Like let's say, I don't know, you, you wanted to buy a house. You want to bring a truckload of gold bars to the closing. There's some problems with money. And so paper money became these kind of certificates representing the value of the metal that you know, you could buy with this paper. If you go to the U.S. government, Fort Knox, and show, you know, a $100 bill in 1900 backed by gold, uh, you, you wouldn't get the gold, but potentially the, the U.S. government was backing it with gold that they owned. That had a problem, though, because what if your country was very innovative and successful, but simply didn't have the natural resources of having gold deposits under the ground in their country? So it seemed kind of silly to you know, top out your innovation just based on how much metal you had under the ground. So we moved to a more fiat or basically trust-based system. If you trusted the innovation and creativity of your government, then you would trust the money. And it was backed by the goodwill of your government. There's enormous, enormous problems with that. Many problems. We don't have to get into them. But, you know, it's... Well, what if you don't trust the government? That's well, the well, first off, it's centralized. There's there's fees. You know, there's every time you make a, a wire, there's fees all throughout the banking system that are baked into the entire system. There's there's a lack of privacy. There, there's so many problems. It's, it's But there's like maybe seven or eight like really big problems that people wanted to legitimately solve, particularly after, you know, you think about the financial crisis of 2008. 
I don't think people realize, particularly now, it's kind of almost forgotten. I don't think people realize the U.S. had, the world really had run out of money. Like we, there was no money to pay people if everybody wanted their money. So the system broke and a, ba- a very large Band-Aid was put on top of it. And you don't know whether it was luck or skill or thank God or whatever, but it, that Band-Aid worked. Who knows if it'll work a second time? Right, because it's no different today, right? We still don't have the money, although we're just printing billions of dollars. Right. I mean, they did solve a lot of problems coming out of that. Some of them were structural. Some of them were very just brute force, like give everybody, give all the banks like a trillion dollars. But some of them were structural, just how banks should value things. It's not, it's getting into the weeds, but it was clearly there was a big hole in a fiat money system and Bitcoin solves, solves that. And we'll see because whenever there's any new financial instruments ever in history, kind of it go, you know, Wall Street and speculators will go, go crazy for a little while. And then you have uh, scammers and con artists go crazy as well. And I think we have seen the first wave of that. So in September, 2017, this is one, another part people don't remember me saying, I was everywhere writing and saying, I went on CNBC and said, I said, 98% of these altcoins that you're seeing now and these ICOs are total scams being run by criminals or incompetence. So, and it's hard to tell which is which, but 98% of these coins are going to go to zero. At this point in time, probably about 85% of those original ones are gone now. They're zeroed out. And the main ones which I always recommended that the kind of the main players, either Bitcoin or Ethereum or the other coins that provide a, a very important role in the ecosystem, as opposed to just kind of some small functionality, the, those have survived. And all of the little play things, the ICOs and all that kind of stuff have, have all, you know, most of them have gone to zero. There's still a few more, I think that'll go to a zero. There's some big ones. I think that'll still go to zero. You want to say what they are? Well, you know, this is the sort of category where I get death threats occasionally. So, but I, I don't think maybe it'll somehow become legit over time, like which, which occasionally happens. But I, I think Ripple is probably a scheme, but I have no real evidence of that. Just, just, just studying it, just studying how the code works. I think, I think Ripple is probably a scheme. Is it the code or is it because it's highly centralized? Both. I mean, you could, one, they, they're, they're, the, the, the functionality is implied by the code. And in the code, you could see if who has control over printing up new coins. If it's not, if it if it's centralized, who has the control of printing money? You know, that's the whole idea of Bitcoin is that nobody has direct control over it. And so, unless there's a fifty, what's called a fifty-one percent attack. But I, I, I'm not saying I said it was a scheme and not a scam. Meaning, who knows? I don't know what the outcome is, but I just simply wouldn't own it. it Even appears- if it goes up, I'm not. I don't think of these things as investments. I think of these as the future, the future currencies of the planet. So if you're thinking of putting some percent of your portfolio in a f- what could quite possibly be uh, the default currency of the planet, I wouldn't use Ripple for that. Uh, just to timestamp this, it is uh, February 19th. And right now on uh, CoinGecko, Ripple XRP, the coin that supports the function of ripple is 30 cents has a market cap of 13 billion dollars yeah so 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 that kind of suggests it's not a fad right there's a lot of money in order to get up to 13 billion it's not like mom and pop is buying up all the ripple it's uh 
uh, it's some big money in there. Although we don't know how much of that is owned by the initial founders and so on, who could who could print up more money and you know they say they can. It's it's very it's very confusing. Ripple, Bitcoin is not confusing. Ethereum is not confusing. There's thousands and thousands of people who have looked at the code and studied it and tried to figure out any potential scams that can happen. And so it's pretty rock solid, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and some of uh, other coins in, in, the, in those ecosystems. Um, whereas Ripple is not as thoroughly studied, there's some, you know, because it is centralized and there's some aspects of it that, I don't know, why, why do they need to do that if they're, if they're trying to solve the problems of, you know, a lot of these people, I'm not saying Ripple did this again. I'm just saying a lot of these ICOs just raise money for their coins that were never implemented and put the money in their pocket and disappeared. Mm -hmm. So, and that was obvious that was going to happen. What about the primary Bitcoin forks, Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin SV? I don't care for them. I don't say that they're bad, but Bitcoin is still legit. And, you know, the, 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 the framework underneath Bitcoin gets better and better. The the speeds, you know, we're going to have this having moment pretty Six soon. Months. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's going to change a lot of things in the Bitcoin ecosystem. So I don't know. I don't feel like any of those, those, those they have uses or they had uses at, at fork time, but I think now they're just speculative. Do you think we'll get to a point where we are using Bitcoin as a currency? Cause it's so speculative and, you know, if people are saying, hey, it's going to go to 100,000 or 500,000, why would you want to be like Laszlo and spend 10,000 Bitcoin on a couple pizzas when yeah. those pizzas end up worth multi-millions? Yeah, I don't know. I, to be honest, I don't know if Bitcoin will really be used for transactions anytime soon. But look, gold's not used for transactions, and yet billions of dollars worth of gold is traded every day. So, And gold actually has no real functionality, whereas Bitcoin actually has functionality. Like the, the blockchain and I don't want to, blockchain is the most boring topic in the world, but it actually has functionality. And so, so hence Bitcoin has functionality. So it could be used for those purposes as well. Not just one function of Bitcoin is as, as a currency. Another is for its kind of extra legal functionality uh, with, you know, it's, it's, you know, lightning network on top of it. And then as a store of value, it's being used. So when coronavirus, okay, when when Iran, oh, we're going to have war with Iran, Bitcoin spiked because everybody, believe it or not, everyone in Iran who had money was like, I got, I got to get my dinars the hell out of here. I'm going to put it in Bitcoin because I can't transport gold around so easily. So Bitcoin shot up. And then right on top of that was coronavirus and Bitcoin shot up again. Like, oh no, what if, what if the you know China is completely quarantined and that means nobody in the U.S. is going to get their made in China products, which by the way is almost every single product in America. And then the American financial system has a similar 2008 style collapse. So you saw a lot of smart money, tens of billions of dollars rotate into Bitcoin. Bitcoin shot up like 30% uh, since or more since coronavirus erupted uh, two months ago. Great stuff. Mr. Joe Com, you ask great questions. Thank you. I try to. I try to listen a lot. And James certainly has a lot to say. And what was really interesting is after this conversation was over and we hit stop, the conversation continued for another hour 
with his wife in the room and a friend of his. And just it, there's so many rabbit holes to go down. And I'd like to invite all of you to go listen to the full episode of the Joel Com show. And you can go to com.us. You know how we've got badco.in as our short link for bad crypto? I own com, C O M M, dot US forward slash five nine and that'll take you to my website that has this episode or you can go to itunes or stitcher radio any of the places locate the joel com show listen to this interview and would love to hear what you think and of course please subscribe to the show while you're there Mm. so how how cool was it like to do the interview in person versus how normally we do the interviews you and i are in a different place normally a different state the guest is normally on an, on another screen. It's mm-hmm. a lot different when you're in person, a lot more warm, a lot more enchanting. It really is. He was uh, he's very warm and very gracious. His wife was also very gracious and super smart. She had some interesting things to say offline after we uh, were done recording. And he's got this cool condo there in the Upper West Side. And um, yeah, right. so I hope to uh, to visit with him uh, again in the future. Very good. Maybe I should have a Travis Wright show now. Maybe. Should. Well, you kind of do. You have the Kansas City Sportscast. That's for fun. That is true. That's just more just talking <laughs> for the Chiefs year. Because I figured it was going to be an amazing year. And now we have documentation. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, you're going to continue gonna... it. You'll you'll continue it. And who knows? Maybe the Royals will have a good year. And you'll want to talk about <laughs> that. Maybe so. More Maybe I want to chat with some people stacking skills. That's always a good thing. I want to do. Want, How about you? tell yeah that would be a great show we've talked about you know you writing your next book stacking skills and uh you know my show is uh, it's different because i don't want to just talk about business i've done shows like that before in the past i want to have real conversations that focus on the things that people are really concerned about and the things they think about and i because of that i never know where they're going to go Right, and right with james it was like we would go down this one you know path and then oh all of a sudden the conversation was about something else because he says something and then i'm just intrigued and i want to ask him about that other topic mm. yeah you got to have somebody rein that in like remember that three rabbit holes ago can we wrap up that one right that is part of the deal <laughs> so you're so that was fun we were in new york and uh at the nft.nyc again we talked about how big nfts are going to be and actually one of our friends who are in the nft space was there with upland.me dirk Dirk, yeah and and his other his other teammate were there and we actually did a uh, we did a contest to see who was going to own the first parcel of an airport uh flying from san francisco to their next destination which which may or may not be new york city we cannot confirm nor deny any of that. But we want to say Upland.me is like, it's like Monopoly on the blockchain. And right now, all of San Francisco proper is available and people are claiming properties there and coming visiting and going. And it's really fun how it works. And you get Upix tokens and the things cost, whenever you buy one, you get like a digital deed on the blockchain that says you own this and then you can sell it. It's really fun. But if you go to badco.in forward slash Upland, from your mobile device and actually click on that and then install the app whenever you sign in for the first time instead of 3000 tokens they actually give you 6000 tokens for free just cuz you're a friend of bad crypto so see how we do you yeah they also they uh Dirk posted some screenshots in the Upland community on Telegram showing what the treasure hunts are going to look like cuz pretty soon there'll be more in-game missions and you'll be able to discover 
treasures along the way. Badco.in forward slash Upland. Do it on your mobile browser in order to get the bonus Upic tokens for your first time sign up. Cool stuff. I love it. Upland, not downland. See, this was a half an episode. This was. But but the, the whole interview with James is actually like twice the episode. Like two episodes. Yeah. So, again, please go do listen to that with- now. There, Go listen to that now and, and uh, enjoy it. Yeah. And thanks for listening to our show. Got some great stuff coming your way. Next episode will be the bad news episode tracking the crypto space and in partnership with our friends at Cointelegraph.com. We'll look forward to bringing that to you. And the having is approaching, gang. So prepare for it. Batten down the hatches. Buckle in. Yeah. As Use Mr. your deodorant. And Mr. Joe Khan would say if he had both shows at the same time, he would say, stay bad and do good stuff. Who's bad? The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto, LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.